G'day guys, uh, it's Mitchell Short here, uh, and you're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again, and Larkham. Kefu. Hey everyone and welcome back to the next episode of Running Rugby Podcast. Um, as always, I'm your host Archie Hughes, joined with my brother Leo and Toby, making a big effort. He's actually dialing in from Marrakesh in Morocco at the moment, so apologies if his sound quality is not quite up to scratch. But let's have a look. Uh, we had a big round of Super Rugby. Only two of the Australian teams had games this weekend, but both pretty exciting ones. Let's go back and have a look at the weekend. Toby, what was your favourite performance? Made the Rebels for me. Just getting back on track. Um, and a really entertaining game for mine. They were just playing entertaining, free-flying, running rugby. And I just want to give a shout-out to Dave Vessels, like getting them back on track after that pretty poor performance against the Tars last week. Um, they're really just going on and, and making a name for themselves now in this competition. Yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely a big one. They, they had a chance to pick themselves up and play well against the touring team and the Sharks, and they that's a that's a mid-table team from South Africa, and they've they've done a good job. They didn't go back to back with losses, which would have really dented their confidence. Uh, aside from that, I, I really enjoyed that uh, Hurricanes Highlanders game. Some of the some of the theatrics from both teams to finish off scoring phases were great, and Bowden Barrett's little block and collect and score was just phenomenal yeah and for me i mean it's one of these rounds where because there was only two australian games you get a chance to watch a few or more of these kiwi games and a few other ones i tuned into the Sunwolves versus the chiefs and i know i'm gonna hate watching a lot of these guys run around when they're playing australia in the rugby championship later this year but god i do love to see damien mckenzie in full flight free-flowing he can step around about 12 people you think he's going to get broken in half most of the time, but he just never gets a solid hit put on him. And he put up two tries in this game, back at 10 with his brother and 15. They had some good link-ups, and it's just looking dangerous if he gets his hands on some an all-black jersey later on in this year. Match report, round six. But let's look a bit more in depth at that Rebels game from Friday night. You're right, Toby, they, they bounced back well and came away... 46 to 14 winners over the Sharks. Yeah, great effort by the Rebels and Dave Wessels to to come back and and come back strong at home. Really excite the Melbourne crowd and and this was their highest margin uh, in history, winning margin in their history. And and they looked they looked apart, really slick in their back line. They didn't seem to be suffering at all for having a, a change that back line. Billy Meeks in at inside centre looked really really good. Uh, I was impressed. I haven't seen a whole lot of Billy Meeks prior to this season, and I definitely didn't know he had the 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 skill set for the kicking game that he that he showed on on uh, Friday night. So that was great. And people like Jack Maddox uh, injecting themselves and supporting those breakaways. Uh, Anaru Rangi, tireless, great lineouts involved in the malls. I think two tries for him. Uh, and Colby Fainga with a bit more mobility in that back row. 
and a bit more uh, bit more pilfering at the ruck. They had plenty to bring off the bench too. They had a whole lot of depth, which which is great because everyone's going to suffer injuries and and fatigue through the season. Uh, so that they've got depth across all positions, and I kind of wonder if Tom English will. You know, the guy was captain a couple of weeks ago, and will Tom English even get back into that back line? It's amazing how many different combinations they've been able to put together. As you say, like they got Jeff Parling finally got a start in the second row. I was really happy to see Colby finally get a bit more of a run round at seven there. I think he really offers something that they don't really have with a few other of their back row options. But you're right, Tom English may not come back into this. But I don't, I still don't really know what the most ideal back line is for this team now. If you've got Dane Hale at Petty looking to come back in uh, next week, what what do you think they're going to do? Yeah, personally, I don't know. I, they look pretty sharp, and I think Seth is still probably getting back into form. He, he made a few kind of questionable decisions, but I like the look of Jack Maddox back there at 15. Um, but it's hard to argue with you know bringing DHP back in. So is this the time to make a change at fly half? I'm not so sure. Jack Debrasini looked a bit more... Um, dangerous in this game. He was carrying the ball well. Still probably not asserting himself as much as a fly half in the back line. And I guess there's probably, because there's so many talented players there that can act as central playmakers, maybe he just steps back a bit and doesn't take control of the game as much as he probably could. But Jack Maddox, do you put him back on the wing and maybe give Sefer a rest? We'll have to see what they do. I think Debrusini was a bit unlucky. He, he definitely played better this week and he is... He is becoming more consistent, and and the pieces in that back line us are gelling well. He had that early line break and got called back from obstruction, but everything in that flowed really smoothly. So that was an example where he did assert himself. But yeah, there's to think the DHP's there, and yeah, don't, I, I think Seth is probably the weaker link at the moment. I wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to the bench for a bit of a um, sort of bit of heat off the bench later in the second half. Well, they're obviously going to be the first Australian team to face one of the Kiwi teams this this year, and that's the Hurricanes coming to Melbourne on next Friday night. Is there anything you can identify they need to work on to maybe put up a strong performance, maybe even look to take some points away from this from this game? Yeah, the Rebels just need to be not conservative with their attack, but I think just really composed and make sure they're not throwing those 50-50 passes because... If they make any sort of errors or give the opportunities to the Hurricanes to counter-attack, they're just going to get torn to shreds because they just haven't been exposed in that way, I guess, with other teams this, this year. The, the Hurricanes are a step above and, and they'll just, within you know five ten minutes, they can put 20, 20 points on you. So you've got to be very careful with ball in hand. Yeah, definitely. The, this, is, this is the test. This is the true test. Of, you're playing at home, so you've got that advantage. But uh, the the Hurricanes are a far more disciplined and and finessed outfit than the Sharks. the The Rebels have a, a really solid set piece. Their their forwards played well this week. The backs were really slick. They had a few nice little moves, a bit of deception that played well against the Sharks. Um, the best thing I thought they did was they held possession, so they they were really wearing the Sharks down and and they didn't make too many errors. So that that forced the Sharks to play a bit more loosely. But the Hurricanes are susceptible to the same thing. So if they can just maintain that against the, the Hurricanes, not overplay their hand, as Toby says, to just play consistently, wait for the opportunities to come. But those cutout balls that 
the Rebels were flinging around and, and weren't really punished for, a Geordie Barrett or a, a, a Lamb or someone will, will pick those off and, and punish you really quickly. So, yeah, the Rebels just need to keep the ball in hand, not not try and force any attack, just let it flow. And, and I think they've got the their heads screwed on now. They've, they've won that many games already this season. They should have the confidence that they can just believe in themselves and, and do that. Yeah, hopefully we'll see them playing with a little bit of maturity in this game, as you said, holding on to the ball. Looking at the other Australian game this round, the Reds, after an extra day of travel probably, going between Brazil and London before they made it over to Cape Town, they finally got there and they took on the Stormers uh, late Saturday night. And the Stormers, they started off strong and they really the Reds did come close at the end, but Stormers winning this one 25-19. Yeah, just with the Reds, I it wasn't quite as good a performance this week, but I just I was liking again what I was seeing from them. They were still very physical across the park in defence. Um, you had guys from the back, guys like Karevi just smashing through the line. Aiden Toa looking very dynamic with his feet. Just guys doing their individual jobs well. And I think Brad Thorne's probably kept a very simple game plan for them and just said, look, do each of your roles. Don't overplay your hand. Play together as a team. And I think you can just see that on the field. They look like they're playing as a team, and that's important. And I, Regardless of the fact that they, they haven't scored more than 20 points in a single game this year, they've been holding teams to, say, 25 points and under. So they are able to get those wins, even though they're not scoring a lot of tries. And they looked strong as a losing side. The key thing for me was that they they gave a lot of possession away. I mentioned it. They're, they're trying... A few different things like little grubber chip uh, grubbers through down the sideline and chips over the top and the territory which the Reds were choosing to make these plays didn't really seem to suit the flow of the game. Like they're they're sort of around halfway and they're putting a grubber down the line and not really getting anything out of it, not getting a line out, not really pressuring the defence. Uh, that that's the problem because they're giving the ball away and it, we're into the sort of fifth or sixth phase when they're doing it. Uh, and then a lot of their a lot of their kicks when they're trying to exit their 22 weren't finding touch. So they were forcing themselves back into defense and not giving the forwards any chance to catch their breath. And the, the Stormers just thrived on all that opportunity. There's a lot of free space. You're throwing the ball to people like Raymond Rule and just ha- having them isolate defenders and, and put you under pressure and, and losing all that ground, you just try to game by kicking so the as you said they're, they're doing a really good job at keeping teams uh quiet on the scoreboard the points do come for them this week it wasn't their week that yeah I, I didn't like how much they kicked it away and the scrums actually went to pieces a bit tupu didn't didn't have such a good good week with the refs this week at the scrum yeah we we need to talk about that actually because taniela tupo i believe has been cited for the hit he made in the ninth minute um, so he could face a bit of a suspension, whether it's a week or more. I'm not too sure at this stage. But he just looks like he's getting a little bit carried away in some of his hits and and even some of the, the plays he tries to make with little offload passes. Um, so that's probably just going to – it's going to come with maturity, but he does need to kind of be mindful of that, I think, and, and rein it in certain areas of his game. This this may be what it takes to to get him to do that because he hasn't – if if anyone's been telling him from the sideline to change the way he's playing, he hasn't really listened these last few weeks. He's this this hit to me looked very similar to other hits 
tackles from previous games. And we like we like a bit of aggression. Like he's standing there at the line out and the storm is props encroaching on his side of the channel. He just starts leaning across and shoving the guy and shoving the guy and shoving the guy. And that's kind of, you know, that's just showing, hey, you can't push me around. You're not going to take my space. I'm not going to stand for that. Totally and that's cool. fine. That's, 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 yeah, that's, that's good. Like, I'd, I'm happy to see that. But if you can't channel that aggression or the, that emotion through his, yeah. through his defense in a safe way, he's going to get punished like this. And, and it's a shame because so many of the things he's doing are really valuable to the Reds. Um, so I thought he had, he had a, an okay game, but not he wouldn't make my team of the the week this week. I was much more impressed with uh, Timu and uh, Korzik and and Rodder from the forward pack and and Kane Douglas again. Well, they've already come out and uh, said that that hit probably should have been rewarded with a red card for him. So I think you'll find that he's gonna he's gonna miss a few weeks. I'd say three at the minimum. So he's gonna have a bit of time to think about how he's been playing and whether he should be reining in a bit of that aggression. Something that stands out for me, I remember about three weeks ago, I think when Slipper was doing an interview after the game Hmm. and someone brought up Taniela Tupo and he's like, look, mate, if we can keep his feet on the ground, I think he'll be all right. So it's obviously in camp. He's got a lot of, you know, confidence. He's got a lot of flair about him, but yeah, he does just need to be careful with what he's doing out there on the field because it can really damage the team. Well, that's it, and he hasn't been um, hit with any of these sanctions as yet, uh, so he hasn't quite affected the team with his play, which if he's out for three weeks, he may have a bit of time to realise that he's going to be hurting this team and hurting a lot, like Leo was saying, their scrummage was a little bit worse this week. And you also saw them sit a few players out for this week or move them to the bench. Part of the reason I think their scrum maybe wasn't as strong as Panga Ramosa wasn't starting this game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was massive. You can notice it straight away. And I think part of it is because of the immense amount of travel. Brad Thorne's probably said, maybe we do need to rest a few of these guys. Tuttle's obviously been playing very hard, and he got a bit of time to sit down for this game uh, with Lucas coming on to start at 9. And as well as you saw, Duncan Payawa got to move into 12, and they sort of went back to a bit of that older sort of setup in their back line with the dual playmakers. Which I didn't particularly think worked for them that well, to be honest. I... I think they were much better when people like Peng Ramosa came back on and and they reverted to the 10-12 combination of Lance and Karebi. I think that was far more smooth as a combination. And I don't like to talk down players for who are you know, putting in a lot of effort. But I, I, honestly, if, if Ben Lucas hasn't made a starting role his own yet in his career, I, I don't think he's going to he, he wasn't up to scratch for me like big step down from Tuttle seeing Ben Lucas there and his passes his passes were low he was putting his first receiver under pressure throwing passes to their ankles um, maybe maybe it's a bit of the weather because the weather wasn't ideal but again for me the, the scrum half's job number one is get to the ruck and deliver the ball to someone's chest out in front that's if you can't do that you can't be, can't be a good scrum half and He's, mate, he's yeah, not, that's that's got to be your focus. So yeah, I, I, I understand that. So I shouldn't shouldn't get stuck into him, and and that's no, no, not no, what no. I'm intending. I just I just think that really crippled their momentum in the backs. Ben Lucas, I'm not Fal- sure, mate. He could look a little bit out of shape as well. He didn't look particularly quick. He looked a little bit dumpy out there. And I, um, but yeah, as a guy who plays a utility role generally, he, you know, he used to start at fullback for the Reds, come off the bench, play fly half. 
play number nine. So he's it's like Makito trying to play number nine. Maybe it's not quite, you know, it's not a position you can just roll into and expect to be playing at a high level. Like it's quite intricate, and, and Tuttle does offer a lot more than Ben Lucas, so hopefully it's not a serious injury and he'll be back next week. And McDermott was pretty good when he came on. I, I didn't, again, like he's a bench, he's coming off the bench, we don't expect too much, but I thought he was pretty solid. Let's talk a bit about the Stormers. Yeah, just, be- just before we move on, I just want to reiterate, I think, what Leah was saying earlier. People like... Caleb Timo still stepping up, John O'Lance still having massive games in terms of defence, and you saw him put a few good sort of attacking runs in a bit more open play today as well. But um, in terms of the Stormers, I mean, they've had their big trip away, and now they're coming back, and they're looking pretty strong now at home, and they've got a few weeks where they're just going to be set up in South Africa playing some more of those local derbies, and they've got a bit of a chance to stake a bit of, of a claim on that top spot in the South African conference with the Lions seeming to falter a little bit this week. Storm has got fed the ball repeat, repeatedly from the Reds from all that kicking and clearing and, and a few errors and penalties and, and they thrived and they looked really good with Willem so directing the, the play. The set piece was pretty skillful there. They were only spoiled once in the lineout, and they definitely had the ascendancy in the scrum so they're looking very strong at home. Uh, they haven't had a whole lot of injuries to can be concerned about. So nice stability in their squad, and I definitely expect them to be challenging for the top of their conference. Yeah, they've got a good mixture in their backs of guys like Galiende and Rum and Rule look good again, uh, very fast, and has got a good try there. So Storm is quite a classy outfit, and I think, yeah, because the Lions haven't been on tour yet, they're just... They're set up to really take this South African conference now. If the unless the Lions do have a really strong tour where they're playing four games, two in Australia, two in New Zealand, I think the Stormers might have this in the bag if they continue to play like this. So, pretty impressed by them, and I'm interested to see actually whether Willems is going to get the nod for the the Springboks ten because you got guys like Andre Pollard, obviously, um, Yanchis, uh, even even guys like Robert Dupree that that could probably play there. So. Williams is looking like he's putting, you know, balanced performance together week to week. So yeah, I guess it'll be down to the coaches what he wants the team to play as if he's wants to keep more to that traditional South African playing a lot of territory, and then they're going to be looking for someone like Pollard or someone with a bit of a big boot and just to play for that territory. But if they want to change a bit to more of that free flowing expanse our game, Williams is the perfect one to put in there because he's not afraid to take on the line. Uh, he's quick and he will unleash some of their outside fast men. Yeah, they seem to have a really good balance at the moment. It's not all just kicking for territory and looking for, for errors. They're, they're showing a lot of variety and, and Willems is not, not flashy, but he, he's, he's a very solid pivot for them. Next, let's look at uh, the other team from the Australian Conference, the Sunwolves, and they had another tough day. They were playing back at home at Prince Chichibu in Tokyo, uh, but against the Chiefs, they... Look, they didn't seem like they could put too much together before the Chiefs were just knocking balls free and counter-attack was on point. Uh, the Chiefs putting 61 points to the Sunwolves' 10 on this Saturday afternoon. Yeah, unfortunately the Sunwolves weren't weren't strong at home. Uh, the Chiefs just, they had a really, really top-form game for them. The 21 clean breaks, 18 offloads, 62% of the territory in the second half. The, it was more balanced in the first half. It was it was a good contest, but like like most of the New Zealand teams, the the Chiefs know how to to 
keep enough possession and, and keep you under pressure, make you run around and, and just wear you down. So those last 20 minutes are just a, it's like a, it's like a Globetrotters show. There's just so much flair and, and creativity to, to watch with them. And, and Archie mentioned how much you're enjoying watching Damian McKenzie. He had, he had a ripper game at, at 10, which is not, not where I've uh, wanted to see him so much, but he, he seems to have found a way to involve himself in open field play even even playing at 10, he's, he doesn't seem like he's boxed in like he was in that early game in round two. Yeah, and I mean, you're right, Sunwolves still lacking just a little bit and just lacking that generalized talent around the park in a few places. Big shout-out, though, to Salmaki, one of their wingers, who's continued to put solid performances on every week that I've watched him. I think, Toby, you're saying he's, he's got a nickname from, from his homeland. Yeah, mate, the Tongan Godzilla. I think he's only been in Japan since since last year, I believe. So they've given given him that nickname pretty quickly. But you can see why he's I think 108 kilos, six foot three. So he's a big guy to be playing on the wing, more more similar to like a Julian Sevilla kind of mould. Um, but he's all power and he's just a bit of an entertainer. Got the got the the blonde kind of. I don't even know if it's a blonde or it's more pink or something. These guys, like in the backs for the Sunwolves, coming up with some interesting haircuts. But, um, <laughs> you know, great to watch. And I'm not sure he's going to play for internationally. Um, I don't think he's had a cap yet. So it'll be interesting to see which, which country's kind of, you know, trying to get him to play on the wing for them. Because be be another guy like Marfi that you could get into the Japanese team if he becomes eligible for that. Yeah, definitely. Other games in this round, we had the Crusaders getting back to winning ways, um, taking on the Travelling Bulls in Christchurch. Uh, so Crusaders winning this one, 33-14, and they were happy probably to have a few more players back. They got Whitelock and Crotty back in this game. They looked a lot better, to be honest. Um, they do need those guys there if they're going to play finals this year, I think, because their depth probably isn't as strong as it has been in previous years. So... You know, playing a team like the Bulls, I always thought they were going to be too clinical and they decided to be a bit more, I don't know, they kept it a bit tighter in this game because it's, the weather was, the rain was coming down a bit and they just played to the conditions and were a lot more composed in their decision making. So I think, you know, it was a performance they needed to have to get back on track um, after some, some tough derbies over there in New Zealand. And they still look very strong. Like poor weather had the game showing more errors in the game but they're just so clinical in their set piece and and they're definitely a classy outfit the the bulls still just shoveling the ball around and not really not really going getting enough go forward not enough consistent uh, gain line advance, uh, getting across the gain line so uh, it's a tough tour for the bulls and now they get to go home and face the informed stormers which i think is going to be another big challenge yeah definitely and you're right, they're still showing a few flashes but have yet to put an 80-minute performance on the park. But uh, both these teams heading over to South Africa, as you said, the Bulls heading home to take on the Stormers and the Crusaders heading over to Johannesburg to verse the Lions. So it'll be two interesting games to see what happens with them. The other New Zealand derby for the round are the Hurricanes and the Highlanders, the top two teams uh, for the conference together. And it was close, it was back and forth, and both teams were pretty committed to creating a pretty amazing highlight reel in this game but the hurricanes still they just look too strong uh 29 to 12 taking home the win against the highlanders yeah no matter where you're from if you're sick of the cricket or another sport that's 
having a few issues right now, then go go and treat yourself to a game like this. This game was a a reel of highlights. It's super, super competitive early on. And then once there's a bit of fatigue, some of the better players start chancing their hand and it's just so good to watch. And again, not, not too much kicking, not too many errors. Excitement all around the park. And pretty strong defense as well from both teams. I actually thought there'd be a few more points scored in this game, but both teams were pretty pretty hardy in defense and it it kind of took guys like Vince Arso scoring some spectacular tries in the corner to to really get over the line. You had guys like Ben Lamb again that were very strong and I mean, can't New Zealand come up with a winger like guys like Ben Lamb, this guy for the Chiefs, Somalo. They just seem to be producing them every year consistently. They lose some guys overseas to Europe, and you know another guy steps up. You know, it's as a, as an Aussie rugby fan, it's it's you know a bit disconcerting to see that because you know they're going to pop up again during the the rugby championship. Who would you put on your wing if you were picking for the All Blacks at the moment, Toby? Because I know I know the one name that I want to put up there. Mate, it's I, I think I would still have Rico Yuani on one wing. But the other, I think Julian Severe is probably a little bit out of form. Um, I'd probably be it's looking at It's got to be Naholo, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Naholo. I'd still pick with second Naholo. But guys like Tavita Lee, Ben Lamb, Solomalo, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I think Ben Lamb's making a pretty strong case for himself. He's just so powerful and he's got a really good skill set to fit into that team. And I think you could almost move him in a bit closer. I, don't, I know he hasn't played a lot of 15s in recent years. But if you got him set up as a bit more of a 13 sort of looking looking character, I reckon he could be really strong there as well. I think that's the point. Yeah, you've well, got to look at who's going to be in your centres and, and balance the bot, the speed and the size and the different skill sets. So if you end up with a, a player you'd prefer at 13 like that, or maybe Arso has to bide his time on the bench. Even guys like Rob Thompson are stepping up. Like They just have so much depth across their backs and... The Australian teams do look a lot better in terms of their backline stocks with four teams and, and forming some combinations. But in terms of the talent levels and just raw kind of ability that these guys have in New Zealand, yeah, it's it's hard to match that. And it, it does kind of put a bit of fear into me and in just seeing how many points they can score. It's amazing though, like you have all these people coming up and then you're like, okay. And then at fullback also, you're like, okay, well, we have Ben Smith. And then we have oh, Mackenzie still there as well. Then you're like Israel Dags. Yeah, and you're like Israel Dags going to come back at some point as well. It's like, oh damn it! Like, I don't know what's a yeah. harder job it's trying to Jordy Barrett. Jordy yeah, Barrett. trying Played to pick. against the Lions. Yeah, I don't know how the All Black selectors. I mean, I guess they can't really go wrong with who they pick, but God, it must be difficult sometimes. Yeah, they just look like genius mm. every time because they just got three or four All Blacks teams they could probably choose. Yeah. Let's look at the final game of the round and the Haguares still having another game back in Argentina and hosting the Lions who came over who haven't quite looked as strong as we thought they would be looking. A um, few key injuries there, but the Haguares again, got a try within the first minute and just stayed on top in this one. The Haguares 49 to the Lions 35. Yeah, and I th- think the Haguares just a... A more disciplined display from them, like they're not making as as many stupid errors, and and the Lions, like I thought they'd get it done, and this kind of this is a problem for the South African teams. They just they haven't won a game away from South Africa at all this season, and I think three teams have, are kind of either completed or in the midst of their their proper tours to Australia and New Zealand. So 
you know, this is a this is a problem they need to fix because they're not going to be any threat at all in the finals if if they're not winning these games away from home. At least say one or two of them. Um, this is a problem that Australian teams have when they go to South Africa, but you know, I I haven't noticed this to be such a problem as it is this year. The, yeah, the Jags are definitely that confidence-driven team. Like there's a lot of emotion and and drive in 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 their game early on, and if they can put some points on the on the board, they even if they get the first try and then they end up down a couple of a couple of points later on in the first half, they, they still seem to have already grabbed that confidence saying we can we can get points on early. Uh, we did get points on early and they, they just seem to flow through and, and, and get more and more attacking opportunities and, and it was a volume performance for these guys this time. They a couple of good good tries from their number eight, Desio, and the the Lions just sort of resorted to their forward base grinding out points through malls and and rolling forward phases and just just you know you get get half a meter out and you put another seven phases together that go about 10 centimeters and eventually you get there but the 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 Haguaras had had the flair and were the more entertaining team even though they they had a lot of penalties in this game and, and they didn't have great possession and territory stats it just shows you what that confidence and belief can do you can be Losing most of the stats battles and and being set back by penalties and errors, but they they have the talent to beat teams if they can just stay in the game mentally. Well, I think the Lions are sort of, at least in their forward pack, are not sort of acting the way they normally do, and I think it probably is partly to do with not having Warren Whiteley in there. But none of the like, back row are setting themselves up a bit wider, a bit wider in the back line and stuff. You have Quagga Smith, who's playing number eight and should be stepping into that role. And what Warren Whiteley always did was he always set himself a little bit wider. He took that second pass out and he was able to sort of unleash the back line or get an offline out. And that sort of changed the whole realm of how they were playing. And at the moment you just have, as Leo was saying, you have seven phases where they go a metre in terms of getting around that try line. And it's just the forwards just going one after the other. And that's what we saw for so long in Australian rugby that we were so frustrated at because people just knew it was coming and you can just set up and you can just stop it and you can frustrate people until they make a mistake and you get a turnover. Yeah, it does show you how important Warren Whiteley is to the composure of that team and their structure. And I I know that earlier on in the season I was saying the Lions, I didn't think they would be as good this year and I think we're starting to see that. You know, losing to, I mean, sorry, winning over the Sunwolves by only two points and then coming over to Argentina and just resting guys like Malcolm Marks on the bench for this game, like bringing him on the second half. But he just, you know, things like that. You need to be playing your best players, particularly in Argentina. It's always going to be a really combative and, and physical encounter. And Malcolm Marks is a central guy in that forward pack who's who plays week to week really strongly. So I think perhaps they thought that they could get the Haguaras regardless of, of kind of maybe the team they're putting out. Their back line still was at full strength. But, yeah, the forward pack isn't what it was last year. So, I don't know, probably a bit of thinking for the Lions to do and, and some kinks to work out before they do go on that tour because they're playing, you know, the Waratahs, Reds, Hurricanes and Highlanders, I think. So, you know, a bunch of tough games on tour for them. So they could easily drop drop out of contention for the South African Conference if they don't perform well. Mm. Well, it starts next week for them because they're going home, but they're versing Crusaders team that 
if they're not on the on form, they could easily drop another one, and suddenly they're looking really sort of sketchy to make a playoff sort of berth this year. Australian Super Rugby Team of the Week. So starting with the forwards, our front row, and we've gone one Reds, two Rebels. Uh, James Slipper, hundredth game, uh, played a played a great game, even in the losing side. Uh, heavily involved and, and wasn't uh, the weaker side of that scrum. He, he held his own and unfortunately couldn't couldn't be matched at uh, at number three by uh, Taniela Tupu. Anaru Rangi at hooker I thought was fantastic. So involved, already already raved about him. Uh, great to have another hooker coming through. He's not that uh, young though. I think he's 29, former scaffolder. So uh, hmm. any other scaffies who want to put their hand up for their local 15 get involved because there's some talent out there and Jermaine Angsley first first opportunity for him in our in our Australian 15 of the round and and has earned it through sort of consistent performances each week he's been in the conversation uh and just lifted that little bit in a winning side probably the only criticism I've, I've got of him was he did hold a pass that he probably should have thrown when the when the rebels were facing 14 sharks and they probably left to try out on the field for that one, but I'm sure the boys got stuck in with half time. He won't make that mistake again. Yeah, in the second row, give me an all reds pairing again uh, with Douglas and Rodder. Great games by both these guys, and they're playing big minutes week to week, which is good to see, particularly with, with the Wallabies season coming up. They're, they're going to be fit and they're going to be used to playing, you know, a lot of minutes, hard yards, and, and putting in the work. So Kane Douglas again back to form. We're loving, loving seeing what he's doing. And Rodder, again, a young, still a young second row, but you can see Brad Thorne's had an impact on him, and he's just taken his his game to another level, and really impressive in the lineout. Actually, these two guys just a great pairing together. They they complement each other, even though they do have similar games. And I think we're we're going to be seeing these guys in in our lineup for for many more weeks to come. Yeah, I saw one of Rodder's steals at the lineout just remind me a lot of Brad Thorne so I think you're right he's having a big sort of impact with those guys there in our back row we've just got a bit of a mix between obviously the only two teams we can choose from uh, but at our six we had Angus Cottrell who's had a bit of a run at six and seven for the Rebels uh, got a bit of work at six this week and, and was pretty immense especially in, in the line out taking a few big takes and as well he always has a few big runs and continually does make metres and puts his team on the front foot, so definitely deserves to be there, Angus Cottrell. Uh, we'll see if he can keep a hold of that six jersey in the Rebels. Um, at seven, we'll go to the Reds and Adam Korchek. Again, as a player that's played some time at six and seven, but definitely put a lot of the team's work rate on his back this week. Uh, was running around constantly, got a pretty important charge down against the Stormers, and was really all over the park and making a menace of himself at the breakdown as well. In at eight, we have Caleb Timo, who added another try to his tally this week. Was really good just running off some lines off people like John O'Lance and making a big impact. And And it's Cliffy Parlow 2.0 there, mate. You can see it again. He's got the tape around the thighs for the line out. He he doesn't lift his knees that much. It just looks like Cliffy Parlow all the way. Yeah, well, I think... I think you're right. I think he's definitely put himself up on that Wallaby selection radar, especially for these first sort of June tests. Toby, who do you want to put in the halves for us? 
mate, in the in the halves pairing, I've gone for Will Genia. He's he's got rid of his hair extensions, which I wasn't a fan of, as you know, and and his game still, you know, he's that's one thing that hasn't changed. It's just he's playing at a high level week to week. You know, really great with his service to to Jack Debrasini and and probably helping him out a lot there. So Willie's going to be someone who's going to be a shoe in for the Wallabies at nine. Um, and again, John Lance, another great performance from him, and we're happy to put him in at ten at the moment. I think there with Bernard Foley, probably the two form tens in the country. And I'd like to see him on the bench for the Wallabies come the June Test series. So comfortable having him there with his decisive uh, kicking and and just some massive hits in defence again. And I'm going to throw in a new new inside centre into our lineup with Billy Meeks. This week, he's absolutely earned his spot. First start of the season, and I don't want to be Dave Wessels because I don't know how I'm how I'm going to fit in all these awesome backs into my lineup. Um, I've got in. I've got to take some notes during the game, and my my first note on Billy Meeks. Billy Meeks can kick. Like this is this is news to me, but he pinpointed it for Corabidi, who earned a line out um, taking taking a guy over the sideline, and from that the Rebels had their first try, and after that it was just big. Big hits in defence, some pilfering at the ruck, uh, so much line speed from those guys, and Billy Meeks is a big leader in that in that back line. So that was really good, and you can't go past the attacking weapon that is Samu Karevi. The amount of bumps he put on the Stormers' defence in that game, it was a guarantee. Given the ball, he's going to put one bloke on his ass and then storm through the line, and they'll they'll get more points week to week. It'll come certainly if. if uh, Samu Karevi can keep up that level of play. And on the wings, we've put probably two of the fastest men in Australian rugby at the moment. Uh, Marika Korobiti is coming back from injury and he's looking like he's going from strength to strength. Doing really well in some interplay, as Leo mentioned a bit earlier, um, fielding some of those kicks and putting some good pressure on uh, chasing down and throwing people over the sideline. And he's looking like he's definitely going to take back that gold jersey again this year. And partnering him... Uh, Filippo Dalgunu, and he added another try to his list uh, this week, and such a good runner of the ball. He looks very stable, and you saw towards the end of that Reds game, taking a crash ball five metres out from his own line, split the defence, and then he put probably one of the better steps I've seen uh, in, in the last few rounds of Super Rugby on to blow past Raymond Rule and just put himself out in all out-and-out pace to run home to the line. And partnering those two, we've got Jack Maddox in at fullback, and he continues to make a name for himself and force himself into this team. No matter if you're putting him on the wing or at 15, he's just looking to inject himself into the game. And we've talked about some sloppy handling errors from Australian teams. I haven't really seen him make too many mistakes, and his long ball is probably one of the better passes I've seen in the the Australian rugby teams at the moment. And I just think every time he seems to take the ball and whether he's catching it sort of almost going to touch or running forward at full flight, he seems very comfortable taking it and takes it all in his stride. And I'm very excited to, to keep watching him in, in Australian rugby, whether it's at 15, at 14 or at 10. I think he's making it very hard for him ever to be taken off the field and out of that starting lineup. Next, we'll have a look at the Build Corp Super W results, and we had round three, and New South Wales women really showing how much strength and 
They're the team to match in this competition, putting on their third win in a row against the Brumbies women, uh, winning 24-5 to and um, guaranteed themselves a finals berth. And I don't, I don't really see what other team's going to be able to challenge them in this competition. The other game was a bit more of a blowout. The Queensland women uh, putting on nine tries to take the win over the Rebels women who failed to actually lodge a point this week. And Queensland, despite that early season loss uh, to New South Wales, are uh, looking to make a strong play to get themselves into the finals, maybe to get a bit of a revenge game against uh, New South Wales. But they take on the force next week uh, over in Western Australia, while the Rebels women are versing the Brumbies down at Amy Park. And that I believe that's the first uh, game the Rebels women will have a bit of a chance to play at home uh, in front of the home crowd and really get some support down behind them. That's on Friday the 30th at 5pm. Round 7. Alright, round 7 and first game of this round, Chiefs versing the Highlanders out at Waikato. The Chiefs return home and it's going to be another awesome New Zealand derby on that Friday afternoon. Highlanders will be looking to get back to their winning ways against a Chiefs team that just put on 60 points. So you guys have gone, wow, both gone Chiefs in this game, mate. I've gone Highlanders, and I'll tell you why. I think even though they're playing away from home, the Highlanders have more firepower than the Chiefs, particularly in the back line. Their forwards in the Highlanders, it's just toilers, and they, they do everything right. You know, this was their first loss of the season against the, the Hurricanes, and I think you'll see them get back on track this week against the Chiefs team that, you know, they've been to Japan and had a strong win, but it is the, the Sunwolves, remember, and, you know, they they still are missing a few players. So I think the Highlanders will be too good. The Chiefs, I think, I, again, this I'll have the usual caveat seeing the team list before I lock this one in, but I, if they're getting back some of their players who've been out with injury, I, I think they might have the wood on the Highlanders. They, they're coming off a good win, and, yes, it's against weaker opposition, but they did look more composed and, and more consistent last week, and we, we thought they were starting to slide a little bit, but last week they looked a bit more like the Chiefs of old, so if they've found a way to to play with those new combinations and around all the injuries, Highland is also very good, and it's tough to pick. It's going to be a, a small margin for sure. Look, I've, I've not been doing that well in tipping this year because I've been trying to tip a few upsets, and if there's one thing that I've learned is that the home team rarely loses, especially in 2018 Super Rugby. And only one New Zealand team has lost at home, and it was the Blues versus the Chiefs. And the Highlanders have lost whenever they've been away from home, which admittedly was only last week. But I still think the Chiefs here. I want to take the Chiefs. I think the McKenzie brothers can put one over the Smith duo. Strong statistical correlation there. Nice to see. Well done, Arch. Yeah, I- the Highlanders put up a fair show against the best team, I would say, in the competition. And I actually think that the, the Highlanders will win this one well by more than 10 points. So I'm interested to see what you guys lock in for your margins going forward with this game. Chiefs by eight. It'll be close. It'll be close. TBD. <laughs> Next, we go down to Amy Park and the Rebels, first Australian team to take on a New Zealand team in this match. And, I mean, it's, it helps that they're at home. Uh, but it is the Hurricanes, and oh, it's it's going to be a tough one for the Rebels. Oh, if if last week was their first 
uh, well, it's probably, I would say the first test was against the Waratahs to, to clean sweep the Australian Conference and they couldn't quite do it. The The next test was to play well at home against the South African team who we can have said don't travel well and, and not not really a leader in their conference. This is this is the biggest test they're going to have all season, even at home. The Hurricanes, I, I, I can't see the Hurricanes slipping up on this one. They're going to come in here acknowledging the form the, the Rebels have had, but these these guys live and breathe winning. I, I don't think they're going to drop this game against the Rebels. They'll, they'll they might there might be a nice tight contest early on, but I think it's like every other New Zealand game that they definitely run away with it at some point late in the second half. I'm going to tip the Rebels, and it's because I do have faith in what Dave Wessels is doing down there in Melbourne, and I think if they put the right combination together they can challenge this Hurricanes team. And yes, it does It does involve some really strong defence and some really good continuation of their play and not giving up easy turnovers, but I think they can put it together. I think the Rebels can steal one out from the Hurricanes. I think the Rebels can do it. Mate, I, like, I like that you're back in the Australian team, but unfortunately you're going to lose another tip on this one because the Canes are going to come into Melbourne and they're going to show the Rebels how they should be playing in years to come. You know, the Rebels aren't quite there. The Hurricanes should be, if they're on their game, at just another level. And they haven't had a whole lot of injuries, which has been important for them. So that back line is just really potent. And seeing the Rebels' back line versus the Canes' back line, like, there's going to be some fireworks there. So really keen to see this game and, and probably one of the games of the round, if not the game of the round. Next up, we have the Blues versus the Sharks, and the Sharks, we're talking about these South African teams not travelling well, and it's not going to be too easy with the Blues have had a week off and a bye to really sort of prepare for this game as the Sharks come into Eden Park. Jeez, all right, so a few key few key injuries for the Blues in this with um, Sonny Bill out for two months with a broken wrist, I believe, and Pulu, yeah, is, is still not going to be back, but I think... Look, the Blues will have time to prepare for this. I think they'll be able to put together a, a much more solid performance than a few of their previous ones. I think the Blues will be able to take it and give the South African teams a bit more misery on these Australian and New Zealand tours. Yeah, I think possibly the, the Lions will be the only um, South African team to come over to Australia and New Zealand and win a game because I can't see the Sharks getting this one. The Blues have had a week off. They're going to be... You know, feeling a bit refreshed after being on tour, and you know, despite losing a couple of key guys in their lineup, they've got enough talent to to pull this one out. The the Sharks just they just haven't looked themselves. I think the Blues will get this done and and done and done well. I think they'll win win this by a fair margin. Sharks need to pick themselves up off the canvas after last week's drubbing, and if they do, and they can keep all their the physicality and their their intent in their game, but actually hold the ball for a bit. I don't think it's going to be one-sided, but I think I think I still believe that a relatively weak New Zealand team beats a travelling South African team six out of seven days of the week. It's it's rare for that to be an upset. So we're clean sweep in the Blues. Next, we have on Easter Saturday, GIO Stadium, Canberra. Two teams coming off a bye: the Brumbies taking on the Waratahs, and it's always a big game when these two teams come together. And it'll be even bigger this week with them both coming off a bye. And 
David Pocock coming back in, and we we think he'll be starting this week for the Brumbies. Yeah, this is this is a huge game for both teams and teams that haven't really been firing too much, apart from say the Waratahs' last game against the Rebels. Both teams have been a little bit underwhelming this season, and they'll be looking to really make a statement. There's no excuses anymore. Like we've had a few games into the, we're third into the season now. They've had a few games to to work out some of the the problems within the teams, and you know someone like Hooper, Hooper, who's really got a lead from the front in this game, and and make sure that he matches Pocock in every element of the game. There's going to be a lot of fireworks. I think there's going to be a bit of niggle there, and. I'm really looking forward to it. Look, based on the Waratahs getting a bit of confidence out of that Rebels performance and the Brumbies still not quite on song, I think the Waratahs do have the class to go down there and particularly in the backs, just take advantage of their opportunities. And maybe even you'll see Tank Kelly start in this game. Who knows? You you might see Falau back at 15. You know, I'm interested to see what they do do with that back line. But, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm still going to take the Tars regardless of the team they put out. Very interesting. Both teams off a bye. They'll be doing a lot of analysis of each other. The Waratahs had that had that big confidence boosting win against the Rebels. We saw their play to their potential, but I don't think we've seen the Brumbies unlock all their potential. I think they were closer with Hawera at ten. So presuming they stick with that combination and they've had a chance to review the the benefits of that and and come up with some extra attacking options out of it. But the, the thing I really liked about the Brumbies last game was the variety in their attack. So I hope they can keep that. Uh, and, and then with Pocock coming back in the forwards, yeah, they'll definitely be a stronger unit. I can see this being a Brumbies-dominated uh, game early on, but the Waratahs do have a, a knack for pulling things out of the hat at the death. So I, th- I think I'll go Waratahs within seven points. See, I've just been having a look at the odds for this game, and Waratahs are already down as favourites for this, which is not where the... Brumbies have been all season. They've been set up as being the favourites of the Australian competition. And that seems to be when they play their worst. When they're down as favourites, everyone expects them to win. Whereas when they're labelled as the underdog, this is when Brumbies really come out to play. And they'll be so, so psyched up for this game. And having David Pocock come in back into that team, I think the Brumbies at home will definitely be able to be able to hold together a solid enough performance to just frustrate the Waratahs a bit and put them off their game plan. And I think the Brumbies will be able to take away a bit of a win in this game. We have Hooper in this game. We have Pocock. We have, you know, the two big names that used to make up, you know, the starting back row for the Wallabies. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. We have the June test coming up. Sure, we've got sort of eight weeks until that time. Who would you guys be putting into your starting back row at the moment for the Wallabies? Does Hooper, do you think Pocock will be able to force his way back in there that quickly? Do you put him at six? Do you put him at eight? I don't know who else you're going to put in. I'd put Pocock at eight, provided he's back to his form that he was playing with last year or the year before. I think I'd be happy to put Pocock at number eight because um, he does have a bit more size than Hooper. You can use him in the line-out um, if you're desperate. And I think I'd put Hooper at seven. And I think it's really the, the sixth position that's most up for grabs still since Fardy left. You had guys last year like Jack Dempsey grabbing it, uh, Ned Hannigan. There'll be, there'll be more competition for it this year, but I'm not quite sure. I might have to reserve my judgment on who I'd put at six at this stage. I think it will be Hannigan. I think they've got that much 
uh, that many options in the second row that they'll want to make use of, they'll they'll spin Hannigan back out into six, which I think is fine. I think Hannigan, Hooper, Pocock, I'd be pretty happy with that back row so long as Pocock's playing freely without without an injury cloud. There are some other options in, in younger guys for that number eight position, but Pocock at his best, if that's what we see in the next seven or eight rounds, is is definitely a valuable asset. And, and we've seen them combine Pocock and Hooper, and we haven't felt like we've been lacking any any particular skill sets with those two on the park before and, and Hannigan makes up your line out and, and a bit more physicality. So that's that's my back three. No, fair enough. I thought I thought someone was gonna pitch Caleb Timo at eight as a bit of a bolter. You can pitch him at six or I actually really wanted Jed to step up this year and, and really take that number eight position. Um, but if you weren't putting Pocock at eight, perhaps you could fit Caleb Timu in there at eight and have Pocock or Hooper at seven, and then Hannigan or Dempsey or Lepetti Tamani or someone like that at six. It does depend what they do, what how strong they want to be with their line-out, because I know Ireland have a pretty dynamic and strong back row. You're going to need to combat that head-on. Whether Hannigan keeps the form that he's been playing with, like he's been playing really well this year and he's taken a step forward, so provided his shoulder is okay um, and he continues to play, you could see him there at six. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're up for grabs. And I think you might see someone like Caleb Timu or Lepetti Tamani make their way either into the starting team or onto the bench because you have a lot of those big Irish back rowers like CJ Stander and stuff that you're going to have to counter. Um, but, I mean, we have a bit of time. We have another couple of months before they're having to make these final decisions, but we'll, we'll see how this works out. Uh, let's get back to it. Sorry, I, I got us off topic there. Uh, let's look forward to the South African games and you have the Bulls taking on the Stormers. I'm sticking with the Stormers. They might not be able to win away from South Africa, but I think the Stormers can win away from their home ground at Newlands. They're heading up to Pretoria. The Bulls coming off uh, their tour. I think the I think the Stormers will be rested and, and they do look like they're becoming a consistent team week to week. It's a bit counter to my previous tipping of that that delicious home cooking, reinvigorating a touring team on re- their return home. But yeah, I'm seeing with the Stormers, I think they'll have this one. Everyone knows there's not as good a uh, biltong in um, Pretoria than there is in Cape Town. Um, I'm sure that might be true. Um, it's nah, definitely but... <laughs> a thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you're right. I'd, I'm backing the Stormers here. Hopefully the Bulls coming home means also they're abandoning that touring sort of uniform that they were wearing. Because uh, I've seen a lot of terrible outfits by the Bulls, but that was not that great. But yeah, Stormers for me. Hey, they look like Brazil. <laughs> That's right. They were, yeah, they were playing a bit of soccer soccer over there. Uh, but the Bulls notoriously have had pretty terrible away jerseys, whether it be military kind of camo outfit or like pink trying to be like Stade France. Look, the Bulls are going to be back in blue, but they're going to be still feeling pretty blue after this game because the Stormers are going to roll in and take this one pretty easily. Oh, damn, wordplay. I like it. Hard. All right, uh, and the last game of the round, the Lions returning from Argentina and the Crusaders flying over from New Zealand. And this is going to be a tough one for the Lions. They have to get themselves back into gear this week because they've really had a couple of off weeks. But I think I think the Crusaders without Richie Moonga and without a few of their sort of main, main players, 
won't quite be up to going straight in Johannesburg and winning an altitude versus a Lions team that's going to be a little bit annoyed after last week, after dropping that game. I think I think the, their coach is going to be working them very hard and they're going to be putting out their strongest team to try and combat the Crusaders. So Lions for me. And boys, this is a, if I'm not mistaken, this is a replay of the final last year. Johannesburg, tough place to play. The Crusaders, though, coming off a win last week, I know the Lions will be fired up, but I think the travel and, and coming back to a home ground that's familiar, but I actually think the Crusaders can come in here and you know make a statement against the Lions because the Lions have looked a bit off and the Crusaders do look like they're still, you know, provided they have Crotty and, and Whitelock and Matt Todd and some of these guys, I think they've got enough strength to, to get over the top of the Lions. Yeah, the Crusaders don't care where they play. They're always strong, always composed. Uh, I don't know how many people they've got out injured. Arts is, what, Moanga? Is Matt Todd still out? Because they got Whitelock and Crotty back last week. I, I think they'll have most of their, their squad. And, yeah, the Lions will put their absolute best team out on the park. But if they can't maintain the composure, Crusaders, are, it's like a mind game. You've got to, you've got to beat them mentally as well as physically. And, and I, I don't think anyone's better at a very smart team. So I'll stick with the Crusaders as well. Okay, I'm I'm the only one taking the home team there. Okay, we'll we'll see how we go then. Um, so, I mean, we're six rounds into the season, and I think it's a bit of a time we can reflect over what we've seen so far. And look, we all had the people we thought we were going to win the whole thing, who we were going to win in Australia. And let's start with the South African Conference. We all started this year thinking the Lions would probably take that out. Still, the other team's not as strong. Do you guys see anything different at the moment? You know, I do actually. I think the Stormers now that they've they've had their tour, I think they can actually take this from the Lions. The, the Stormers, I didn't actually think they would be as strong this year, but they look like they're playing well together as a team, and their schedule suggests that they're going to have, a, you know, probably not that they're easy wins, but they're, you know, not going to be travelling over New Zealand and Australia and have to kind of combat those teams. So. The Lions will be will be challenging, but Stormers for me, I think at this stage will will take the Southern Conference. I was just trying to check. I, I think I had the Stormers originally. I don't think I had the the Lions to top the conference, and I'm I, I, sticking with that. Did, yeah, the, 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 the Stormers are still my my strongest team. They they they're holding up after their tour, and I think they're going to have a really strong finish to this to this regular season they've got a good draw i think they've got the maturity to to hold up for the rest of this regular season and take the top spot in the conference i was just looking at the lions sort of schedule i know you're talking about uh they still have to go overseas but it actually does line up pretty well for when they reckon warren whiteley is going to come back it should be back for their first overseas game versus the waratahs and i think we're overreacting a little bit to the Hagiwaras winning that game uh, this week, obviously, the Lions did not put out their strongest team, and I think, I think you'll find that the Lions start to put things together a bit more in the second half of this season, and they'll get a few wins when they go on their tour. That will keep them sort of within the running and keep them in the hunt uh, against the Stormers. I reckon the Lions will still be able to squeak out the win in this conference. Let's look at um, the New Zealand conference and. I originally had the Crusaders winning the whole thing this year. I, I have to say that I, 
the Moanga injury has probably changed my mind on that. I think that's created too much adversity for them to overcome to win the whole thing uh, just because they're going to put themselves in a position, I think, where they're going to not get the home ground through the playoffs and they're going to struggle with a bit more extra travel and it's probably going to hurt them. And I'm not sure Mitch Hunt is the person to take them through, but I've sort of come over to, I think, your boys thinking as well that I think the Hurricanes will probably top this conference. They've already showed that they can beat the Highlanders and Crusaders knocking them over in the last two weeks means that they're pretty strongly positioned. Mate, I've said it before. I've said it from the start of the season that the Hurricanes will be the team that to contest the Super Rugby title. So the New Zealand Conference, you know, that's just a stepping stone to get there to the final and, and be playing one of these other, you know, hopefully it could be the Rebels, who knows. But, you know, at this stage, Hurricanes are looking very strong and, and, as I said, building week to week. So... I don't see that changing for the foreseeable future. And Clean sweep it. Hurricanes are definitely the form team and they tour well. So aside from their slip up early on against the Bulls when they probably didn't put their best team out on the park, they, they should have a pretty straight road to the top of their conference. And what about the Australian conference? I think the, the Rebels have definitely started strongly. They've, they've almost had... Uh, a clean sweep against Australian teams bar that, that Waratahs blowout. They'll learn something from that. They'll come back to the next Waratahs game with a with a better plan and, and potentially some more tempered confidence. I'd, I've looked at the draw. I, I, to, my, to my eyes, I think the draw for the Rebels is less friendly as the season goes on. So they will need to consolidate these wins they've got at the start of the season because I think the, the Queensland Reds and the New South Wales Waratahs will be hot on their heels. And those two teams particularly, I think, have a more comfortable draw to wrap up the regular season, albeit it is early. They will definitely be in and about that top of the conference. I, I would like to say that I think the fairy tale story would be a, a young Queensland Reds team coming through after a lot of the players rising up from under 20s and then RC. But... The Waratahs are probably... I'll go with my heart early in the season. I think the Waratahs will come through and run the Rebels down to, to get top conference spot. I can see that happening, but I'm going to take the Rebels based on you know, their performances to date. They did have that slip up against the Tars, but you know, next time they'll get them at home in Melbourne, and I'm sure they won't make the same mistake. So I think it'll be very, very tight, and I do think actually the Reds as well could be there and abouts, but the Rebels, you know, they've got... The, the players and I think they've got the coach to keep them together and keep them focused um yeah for me I think the Rebels will take this one out look my tipping this year may not have been quite as good as previous years but if there's one thing I can rest my hat on it's it's about the same shut shut up (laughs) if there's one tip that I can rest my hat on it's what I said about the Rebels and they have proved me right uh, I think you're right. I think their t- their schedule definitely gets a bit harder in the next few weeks, and we'll definitely see if they can step up starting with this weekend versus the Hurricanes. But they also have uh, to go over to South Africa in a couple of weeks and play the Bulls and Stormers over there, which is no no easy feat. Look, even if they're taking home only one win uh, out of some of those tour games, or even if they're just getting bonus points with that, that keeps them in enough sort of position to stay on top of this conference and they've given themselves such a good start of the season you know they're already seven points in front of the reds and it all starts uh, it all starts this weekend against the hurricanes if they can get this game 
this will go a long way towards you know a, a really strong run for the finals. So Hurricane's such a big challenge, but I'm hoping they can rise to that. Yeah, hopefully. I, I think we all want to see that this Friday night. I know I'll be tuning in. All right, guys, uh, that's it from us this week. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. As always, uh, we'll tell you where to find us. Follow us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or find us on Facebook and chuck us a like. Uh, as always, there'll be some news and video content and we'll put up any lineup changes we see during the week. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or Pocket Casts. Uh, subscribe to us, guys. Tell tell your friends about us. Chuck us a review. Uh, we're really enjoying putting this together and hopefully you guys are enjoying listening to us. But from all of us here between uh, New South Wales and Morocco, thanks for tuning in and until next time, keep on running. Run. from what I've seen this season and the biggest thing I've noticed is home team home teams are very hard to beat at home and the Chiefs are <laughs> no that doesn't make sense home teams are very home hard to teams beat are home. very hard to beat at home okay so I'll say, that. Just say a team playing teams are very... okay yeah yeah, yeah.